Hey everybody, this is Nate. And this is Justin. From Pertnear Sandstone. And you're listening to Road to Blue Ox. Nate, you're at my house. It's so good to be here, Justin. I can't believe you're here in the flesh. I know, it does feel like a dream. I've had several dreams exactly like this where I was sitting at your kitchen table recording podcast banter with you. It's all that we ever want to do. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's finally a reality. Here we are. Yeah, I guess COVID's over, huh? Yeah, uh, what, what does you speak of? I have no recollection of what you're talking about. It was a global pandemic. Oh, I seem to recall that. Yeah, it prevented us from playing shows or doing anything band-related for mm, a year and a half. Turns out my dogs are huge fans of COVID, though. (laughs) Yeah, right, as are my children. But we're back. Yeah, we had a great conversation with Chris Pandolfi of the infamous String Dusters. We're also going to chat you up about a bunch of news uh, regarding Blue Ox and uh, talk about how we are kind of back we played two shows this last weekend in appleton and shell lake wisconsin and we were reminded of what it's like to be a band that plays on stage in front of people again yeah you know we spoke about this briefly in the pandolfi interview but uh you know the warts and all it's great to be back and no longer will we take for granted all of the stuff uh, about being on stage and traveling in a Van without air conditioning even, is it just felt like bliss. Yeah, and I want to send a shout out to Appleton and, and the Potter's Shed in Wisconsin for two really lovely, fun shows. It was so great to be on stage and feel that, that adrenaline again. And moreover, just to be at a show and, you know, stand at the merch booth and chat up everybody who comes through and have drinks with other bands and you know being able to hop up on stage and sing up on cripple creek with the high hawks at the end of the night i was just like but you did a fantastic job of i will say i didn't know you had those dance moves (laughs) oh man once i'm telling you we gotta get you to set that bass down more often and (laughs) cut a rug (laughs) (laughs) all right yeah look for my dance set at blue ox this year yeah (laughs) it was great to be out there though and uh Man, we can't wait to, to do it again. By the time this gets published, we will have been in South Dakota, Cheyenne, Wyoming, and Colorado. And we're looking forward to those. And in, in the end of July, we've got a few shows set up in the region here as well. So definitely check out PertinueSandstone.com and uh, come see us if you can. I will admit I, I did get weepy, especially at the Potter's Shed, which is such a, you know, you're right there with the audience. You can high five people between songs. And I was, I was holding back the tears of joy just as I was talking with everyone about how much we appreciate and looked forward to being in front of them and just sharing that reciprocal, that reciprocated energy with the audience. We are really happy that you all are uh, embracing music wholeheartedly as you once had and maybe even more than you once had. And uh, yeah, we can't wait to be on the road on this road to Blue Ox as we head towards August. 
Yeah, we've got um, various Blue Ox news to cover quickly before we get into the Pandolfi interview as well. We want to send a huge congratulations out to the Foxgloves, the winners of the virtual band contest that we held. Woohoo! Congrats. Yeah, they're a really fun band out of Minneapolis, and uh, we're excited that they're going to be able to uh, grace the stage in the Backwoods. The Backwoods stage will be open this year again for more music during the day and uh, into the early evening. Yeah, so check out the schedule. I think we're gonna be releasing the full Backwoods stage lineup here pretty soon, so keep an eye on the Blue Ox website or through your social media outlets for that announcement. And on the website, you can check out all the bands that sort of made that first cut. We discovered a lot of new bands uh, in the region uh, thanks to this contest, which is great, and uh, we're hoping to be able to bring some of them to the festival in the coming years as well. It was pretty amazing. Like I was I was startled by how many great bands submitted to that contest. It was exactly what we had hoped would occur and uh, man, I thought I thought we knew the bands in our region. Right. There's so many good pickers out <laughs> yeah. there. And I I hope that they'll all be to the festival this year as well. We want to we want to meet them and greet them and hopefully get them to the festival in the coming years. You're doing great work out there. Thank you for being a part of that. Yeah, and thanks for your submissions. We're also looking for artists to submit. Blue Ox has won a grant, so we're looking for your visual art installations. There's a sheet on the website that you can fill out. You know, we're looking to dress up the festival grounds with beautiful art. If you're an artist out there and you think you got something that's pretty rad for the pines anywhere in the campgrounds, I mean, we're going to have to curate it to some degree and figure out where things will go. But uh, we're excited to have this as well. And there is some level of compensation for your work uh, via the grant. I wanted to quick mention that the music playing underneath us has been Cloud Valley, a composition from Chris Pandolfi's solo project called Trance Banjo he recently released. Now I'd like to take the time to play a song from the Blue Ox Band competition winners, the Fox Gloves out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. Here's a song of theirs called Unhinged. Yeah, I'm loading it up, I came in here 
Make sure you check out the Foxgloves on Saturday at the festival, performing on the Backwoods stage. So we played at the Potter's Shed in Shell Lake on Saturday, and we played with our good friends the High 48s, who are going to be running all of the instrument workshops this year at Blue Ox as well. And the funny thing is, we got done with our set, and you know, we're BSing with the crowd and slanging merch and you know just hanging out like we usually do after a show and then all of a sudden there's music from backstage and it's you know it's those high 48s shredding just shredding backstage on some some traditional bluegrass and other things and and I was reminded I was like oh yeah we definitely chose the right people to run the workshops <laughs> yeah they are so good so so clean and proficient at each of their instruments and uh, it was just great to hear those guys and I mean some of our favorite bluegrass artists are in that band they're carrying the torch and stewards of the music passing it along so make sure you check them out at the festival Friday and Saturday mornings they'll be leading those workshops no matter what your level they'll they'll be able to work with you and you'll be able to glean something out of what they have to offer maybe we'll listen to a bit of the high 48s right now give you a little taste of what they bring to the table
And that was the High 48s performing How Many Times live from their most recent album, Wham Bam, Thank You Bram. All right, before we hop into this Chris Pandolfi interview, we just want to extend our gratitude and thanks to everybody who tunes in and everybody who is excited as we are about the festival. We're reminded of what it's like to be musicians uh, this past weekend, and we absolutely cannot wait to see you live and in person. Well, doing these podcasts definitely has been a great distraction for us, a way to remain involved, and uh, we will be doing a couple more of these leading up to the festival still, so keep an eye out for that. Chris Pandolfi is a banjo player for the String Dusters, and they're one of four bands that have been at Blue Ox every year, and it's always great to have them back because they always put on such a killer show. He is a podcast producer as well. His podcast, Inside the Musician's Brain, is a good deep dive into process and stories and all things music with his guests. He does really good in-depth interviews and we recommend checking that out too because he often interviews people who come to Blue Ox and who have been there before. And if you're a fan of the genre at all, it's a great way to uh, dive in. We'll have a link to that in the show notes. So check that out on your uh, listening adventures. Just before we get to that Chris Pandolfi interview, we're going to listen to a new song from the infamous String Dusters. Off their latest release, a tribute to Bill Monroe, a song called My Sweet Blue-Eyed Darling."
Hello? Hey, what's up, Chris? Yo, what's up? Sorry for all the back and forth. I'm glad we were finally able to make this happen. Yeah, you know, this game of tag was getting pretty interesting. I was hoping we could extend it all the way up until, like, we're at Blue Ox finally <laughs> doing the podcast interview. Any games of tag I have going on right now. <laughs> oh, I imagine. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny coming out of this, you know, all of a sudden we got busy again, and now we're remembering how, what it's like to be busy again, you know? Well, not only that, but... We usually have our schedules planned so far in advance, and now all of a sudden, boom, it's like, all right, green light to go. So everybody's trying to plan on short notice, and it's just so much back and forth. But I'm, I'm not complaining. I mean, we've, we were out just this past weekend playing shows, and, um, man, it's just – I, I didn't think it would be back in full force like this so quickly, but – no, not at all. It is. Uh, it's immediately like somebody just flipping a switch and turning the lights on, right? It's like, hey, we're back. Everybody's back all at the same time. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. I mean, you know, we're all vaccinated and people need music. And, every, you know, I feel like everyone's just sort of like, hey, once you get vaccinated, you know, what more can you really do? Let's let's get out there and, and live again. So I'm, I'm not complaining. Yeah, I saw a pretty funny um, photo that somebody took of a marquee, like a venue marquee. And it said, uh, vaccination is your gateway drug to live music. <laughs> I, I saw that as well. <laughs> so yeah, well, thanks again for joining us today. You are a Blue Ox veteran at this point. Uh, you guys have been there every one, which at this point, since the McCurries aren't coming back this time, I think it's y'all and Horseshoes and Charlie Parr. And, and uh, of course, us. So that's pretty awesome that you guys have been back each time. And I know our fans are always super stoked to see you guys' set at the festival. But you're also a veteran of the podcast scene, and uh, you're producing Inside the Musician's Brain or yep, Mind. that's right. Inside yeah. the Musician's Brain. Yeah, and uh, I've, I've been digging listening to conversations uh, you've had with, I mean, said the Sarah Jaros interview I really loved. And, Thank and, you so much. Yeah, and the Ronnie McCurry, too. It's so fun to talk to those guys and hear all their stories from, I mean, they just have endless stories. It's so fun. Yeah, it is. You know, let me say, first off, it's an honor to be Blue Ox veterans, like you mentioned. You know, you, you guys have really created an awesome event. And, you know, as bluegrass and acoustic music just continues to boom right now, there are, you know, there are a handful of events that have cropped up in the past you know, five years, 10 years. And I'm, I'm talking about things like winter wondergrass mm -hmm. and blue ox is, is high on that list of really, really quality events that we look forward to that not only bring together our community of bands and musicians, but also such an incredible fan base. And it's, it's one that we really look forward to. And, and these, these new events, they really just exemplify, you know, all this, amazing growth around bluegrass and acoustic music so my hat's off to you guys for really doing something awesome and and vital that helps to keep our community together and keep things growing so great work on that um and yeah Thank you know you. the the podcast thing has been so awesome for me i mean you know i'm a i'm a nerd at heart and i love to learn from all the other thoughtful and talented people in our world and you know so, so it's not just a chance for me to help facilitate getting those stories and that knowledge out to the public but it's also just great for me i mean i've i've really enjoyed 
connecting with so many luminary minds and and just learning myself so yeah i've i'm i'm almost done with season two of the pod and i've got a lot a lot of uh fun things on tap for the future all right yeah, I've listened to a few episodes myself, and it's it's great to you know pick at the details of this music industry from the musician's perspective, and yeah, and there's there's a lot of different takes, but a lot of similarities that we all share as well in this industry. Yeah, no doubt, and you know it's it's just such an exciting time to be part of this music. I mean, if you ask me, bluegrass is more popular than ever before, and I sort of use that as a catch-all term. I mean, yeah, there, there's no perfect word, but you know, the acoustic community is booming like never before. You know, when we started out as a band, you know, this is like 15 years ago. It just was not the scene was not what it is now and so to see that growth and to connect a lot of the dots is um is always exciting for me yeah you know when we were when we were first coming up and you know starting to tour more heavily and you know look into the best gear solutions for performing at larger venues back then you were quite a resource you were blogging pretty heavily back then and and really were not only a resource for the banjo players out there but just the acoustic musicians around the world in terms of how you were approaching it and the solutions you were able to find through your connections yeah it's an interesting point and i i had this conversation recently um with uh with someone who i'm who, who's writing a book about all this evolution around acoustic music and interestingly i don't think fans necessarily recognize this but the gear and the ability to bring this music to a big stage with production and lights and sound capabilities that can really make an impact on a big crowd you know thousand people thousands of people you know that was a real limiting factor and again i don't think the fans necessarily realize it but when when a lot of the sort of the real OG bands, you know, I'm talking about String Cheese, you know, Salmon and Yonder. When those bands were getting going, you know, that was really around the time when that was like the advent of decent pickups for these acoustic instruments and sound systems mm -hmm. that could could handle uh, a bluegrass band because, you know, rock and roll and music with drums and electric guitars, that stuff is so easy to amplify, but bluegrass is not. Right. And that's yeah. been a, yeah. <laughs> it's been a big part of this whole movement, the evolution of technology. And of course, when there aren't a ton of bluegrass bands out there touring clubs, which in, in the early 2000s and late 1990s, there really weren't, you know, when, there's not a lot of demand from the musicians and the scene for things like a banjo pickup, you know, yeah. and, and these days, yeah. you know, there's a much higher demand. There's a much bigger scene and, and that's not just nationally touring bands, but also sort of more local bands. And so that has really been a huge step in the evolution because when that sound starts to really get good on a bigger scale, I think that's when you, when you really start to have the ability to put on an acoustic show in a big setting and really have it impact people. Absolutely. So, right. You know, and the, then venues emerge as venues that can specialize or are particularly good at hosting our genre. And, you know, then sound people emerge. And yeah, I completely agree and understand the, the what you're saying. The culture is then live to cater to this music. That's right. And, you know, I had a, re I remember one time I had a really interesting conversation with Bela Fleck about how Newgrass Revival, a band that I would say was really ahead of their time. I mean, oh, if, uh, 
if a new brass revival came around these days and people would just eat it up i mean there's there's such a oh totally there's such a scene already fleshed out for um you know what clubs to play and how to promote and what the art looks like and all these little ancillary parts of the journey of being a band well when they were around that stuff was just not that developed and so I've even heard Bayless say they they had a hard time, you know, selling hard tickets. And I think the fans, it just wasn't a known thing. You know, music fans were not. It wasn't really on their on their radar. And and just like just like you guys just mentioned, it was it was not not just the the PAs and the pickups. It was you know what clubs to play and and are the fans expecting this sort of thing? Well, now it's just a a whole different ball game and that has really opened a ton of doors for young bands and really contributed to the the growth of the scene yeah yeah that's that's well said for sure yeah maybe you can talk about you know as we kind of talk about the history of this maybe you can touch for people who don't know maybe you could touch on the dusters origins and and just kind of give a synopsis of where you guys started because you guys have been around for a long time now and really you know, led the way um, and are, you know, I would, I would argue pretty influential in our time amongst bands who are coming up now. You've become your own veterans, Chris. <laughs> I appreciate that a lot. And I think the Dusters, the, the interesting thing about the Dusters and, and sort of our history and our path that we've traced is when we were getting started, you know, the real, the real kind of coming out party for the String Dusters was in 2007 when we won those three awards at the International Bluegrass Music Association Trade and Award Show. We won Emerging Artist of the Year and Song of the Year and Album of the Year at the IBMA. And, you know, the IBMA, say what you will about it, but back in the day, it was really sort of the must-attend event for, for bluegrass people. And that's the common thread of all uh, of five of us in the Dusters, is we all came from bluegrass and we lived in nashville and you know we looked up to not only the sort of bela sam bush jerry douglas um era of pickers but we loved really traditional stuff too but again you know going back to what i said a moment ago this this was before the time when there was blue ox there there was no winter wondergrass you know there was there wasn't you know you had maybe Telluride, and that was, you know, in Gray Fox, maybe? Like Rocky a couple. Rocky Grass, Rocky you know. Grass, maybe. Telluride, Rocky gr- Grass, Gray Fox, and, and those were sort of the, the main places where bluegrass would have these sort of glances with a more mainstream crowd. So that path was not really that, that well fleshed out. And, and then we went on tour with Yonder. And I always give Yonder a ton of credit because... Totally. You know, Salmon and Cheese are right in there as well. But, you know, those bands had drums. And right. dr- drums, uh, you know, it, it immediately sort of takes you into another realm in terms of people are associating that with rock and roll. Again, right. it's much easier to amplify. Yeah. And then here comes Yonder playing, you know, these one, two, three thousand cap you know, standing room clubs. And we have saw this and it just, it blew our minds, you know? And I personally, I was more a fan of like the Flectones and, um, the more progressive kind of music. Yeah, exactly. And I, Yonder for whatever reason was not really on my radar when I was coming up as a picker. Well, then we go out 
and open shows for them. And I mean, it just, it, it changed our world. It changed our, <laughs> per, our perception of what was really possible with this music. And so we kind of did this 180. And, you know, I, I wrote about this in that article on my blog years ago, the, the Bluegrass Manifesto. And then I went on to give the keynote address at the International Bluegrass Music Association because this movement was starting sort of outside of traditional bluegrass and we mm -hmm. we kind of came from a more sort of traditional background you know we were playing at the station inn and we were playing more sort of bluegrass festivals and then we kind of did this 180 and that was in 2011 2012 and okay. I, for, you know if you ask me that was like almost the start of a whole new chapter of our career and You know, now it's funny, we've kind of come full circle because bluegrass is like cool again in a way that it wasn't necessarily, you know, now you have all these new acts, um, you know, Billy Strings is a great example. I mean, this guy is bringing bluegrass to people who have no idea about the history of the music. They just hear this stuff and they like it. And, right. And yeah, you know, and he... And he does a good job at mixing that that traditional and sort of that progressive jam as one. And I think that's why he is really hitting it hard right now, too. He, he, he does. I mean, if you go to a Billy Strings show, I mean, he's playing How Mountain Girls Can Love, you know, yeah. Roman Sweet Baby's Arms. But, and then they're having these, you know, they've got original tunes and they've got all this jammy stuff. And that's just really a thing now, like it wasn't back in the day and so right. it's like and and so now you're at this point where bluegrass is kind of cool and we just put out a a tribute to bill monroe right i was going to mention yeah. that too i don't think 10 years ago we would have done a project like that just right. because that spotlight wasn't shining back on the old school bluegrass people weren't searching for that but i always i always say that you know all these cool young acts and bands like the string dusters, because I, I really think that one thing that we're proud of is we sort of walk in, in both worlds. We love right. traditional bluegrass, but we, we love to do our own thing as well. And all of that is serving to shine a light back on all this amazing music, flat and scrugs, Bill Monroe, the list mm -hmm. goes on and on. And, well, and to me, that's just a great, a, a great element of this whole movement. Yes. And, and also the beauty of putting on a festival like ours is we can, We can do just that. And you can take a traditional band and put it up in front of this audience that doesn't have any preconceived notions about music, right. about what is bluegrass or what isn't bluegrass, and they eat it up. Well, I mean, I mean the Earls of Leicester are a really good example of that. Exactly. You know? Like, they were, they were, I mean, their set was incredible when they played at Blue Ox, and, and we had such good feedback about that, you know, from people who weren't maybe that familiar with them, you know. Yeah, and if that and if it, if the whole movement just brings more attention to old school traditional bluegrass, I think that's you know that's a real success. Absolutely, yeah. You know, and it's we're at the point where it, you know you guys, the Dusters, have really done a great job of this. I've always loved your band for walking that line and and blending those. You've always been my favorite in the jam band realm for quite a while because you do shine that light back on traditional music. And I think now the culture of festivals and and shows touring around have the advantage of this having come full circle and for us fortunate to be involved with Blue Ox, we set it up as a roots festival. You know, we want we wanted bluegrass, we wanted Americana, we wanted to have a broader 
arrangement of bands or curation of bands and then just put them on stage and say do your thing there's there's really no rules here you can you know the format is open and i feel like that's primarily what the the kind of musical culture in acoustic music is right now and uh and you guys you guys also produce your own festival as well can you talk about your involvement with that well we we actually we we had a festival for years and we're actually not producing it anymore but It was a great sort of piece along the way. And and for all those reasons that you just mentioned, it was our chance to sort of curate a thing that, you know, would bring together music fans and bands from across a lot of different spectrums. And then then the sort of the end result was like, you could introduce fans who weren't necessarily so familiar with like more traditional strains of the music. You could, you could show that to them, you know, and, and it was this awesome moment of like oh i've never heard of this before but i love it and i think these days even though we're not producing festi anymore although festi does continue on and we have been involved in it a little bit after we parted ways with sort of the ownership and management of it but now we've just started a record label called americana vibes and i feel like the the sort of goal of that is is the same it's to bring these different styles of music under this one umbrella in an effort to introduce bands and fans to people that they will connect with and that's what a record label always was you know it was like back in the day before you know the with the internet the world is such a small place now you can sort of learn about anything with one click of the mouse but back Mm -hmm. in the day it wasn't necessarily like that and people would purchase or check out music simply because it was associated with a label that they that they dug and those elements of curation and introducing bands to fans and vice versa i think that's a really a really powerful thing and a really valid element of a record label that term has come to mean a lot of different things but hey sure. i mean we're we're all out there like as bands we're all out there just trying to find people who would dig our music and i'm sure you guys know this feeling you know oftentimes it's like this challenge it's like man you know there are people out there who would dig this stuff how do we find them how do we how do we get to them? that's the challenge how do we, yeah how do we get this to them get in front yeah. of them so they can be exposed to us yeah and that's the that's one of the great challenges of being in a band and you know one part of this career that i've always enjoyed you know i, I got into it because i love music and I, I love playing banjo and i i love writing and all that stuff but you know you're also a business owner and I, the more that we can embrace that role i think the better off we do and the the sort of goal or the the mission of that role again is to take your music and get it out there and find the people who would dig it and something like blue ox or something like americana vibes to me that's really the goal of those angles to spread the love and spread the word Mm -hmm. the one thing i've always really appreciated about the roots music scene you know, it's, it's very much this way in Minnesota, maybe, you know, Minneapolis and our kind of scene in the, in the Midwest here. But I'm, I'm certain that the strains run through this also in Nashville and in other, other regions. But this music really inspires collaboration and supporting each other and really helping each other figure this out as we're building it and we're heading on the road and you guys are are really luminaries in this regard i really appreciate what you've done for the music and how you've helped other bands starting out and 
You guys are doing doing great work, and we're glad to get you back at the Blue Ox Festival. Well, thank year. you. And that's always, you know, that that's one that might be the coolest thing about bluegrass and acoustic music is, you know, you can you can just grab a couple instruments in a living room. You don't need a crowd. You don't need a PA. You don't need any previous experience together to to just boom make music out of thin air. And that's that's something really really special. And it really you know, is. other genres you know they they might have their version of that but that's where so much bluegrass music kind of originates and happens is just amongst people who are not professionals they're not trying to build a career they just love the music and that that aspect you know bleeds over into the professional realms and you see it on full display at these festivals and you know it's like so cool to go and play your music for the people but then you have these opportunities you know we we played uh, a couple gigs in illinois a week ago and i sat in with uh leftover salmon for the last you know half hour of their set and it's like yeah, I I not only get to go see one of my favorite bands, but <laughs> I get to be a part of a part of the music that they make that night. And <laughs> so cool, you know it really it really serves to elevate the music, create something really unique, give the fans something really unique. And again, it's such a cool part of our scene, and it's something that's really sprung out of this this very organic nature of the music and Mm -hmm. you know you see it at festivals i used to and still do but i mean before i was a professional you know i i went to festivals and i was excited to see the bands but i was even more excited to get out there right and jam at night and it's like you get to be a part of the art and even if you're not on stage you're really adding something to this and you know getting to make music with friends is just such a gift it really is. And it's funny you mentioned that about um, getting out into the festival, you know, to pick. Because, you know, we're the hosts of Blue Ox, but there are times when I feel like we, we do this mostly just so we can go pal around with our friends <laughs> in, the, in the campground. And, and, you know, sometimes I feel guilty about not spending enough time backstage maybe trying to pick with you guys or Billy or, or whoever because we're already, we're already let out into the campgrounds finding our friends and finding other picking circles just just to check out what's going on out in the festival grounds itself you know oh well that's such a huge part of it and i'm sure that every time that you or anyone who hosts a festival or any band that plays at a festival goes out and does a thing like that that creates really really cool and special memories for the people who are there taking part so i mean that that's a that's a huge huge part of what it's all about no doubt you had talked about leftover salmon a minute ago. We just played with the High Hawks this past Friday, which is oh, uh, sweet. Vince Herman sort of all-star side project band. Yeah. And it all culminated to the end of the night where we're at the bar singing drinking songs in a big circle <laughs> with Vince <laughs> leading the charge. And it's like that guy just carries such the spirit of the music and the performance aspect of the scene. And you know, it, it was really a surreal thing, but it just dawned on me, like, holy shit, we're back. Like, it's it's happening again. We're all here. We're making music. We're palling around. And uh, and you guys have been pretty busy lately. You're out touring again and, uh, and, and charging head first into the summer. Yeah, it's just, it's just amazing how quickly things have sort of snapped back to life. And yeah, I saw a video on your on your feed last night of... That bonkers show in West Virginia. Mm. It was incredible. That was really the first show back where 
I really felt energy of the audience plays such a part oh, yeah. in the performance. You know, we've been doing some of these more kind of socially distant shows and pods and things like that. And that's awesome. And it's just great that people are getting to enjoy music at all. But now we're sort of transitioning pretty quickly, I think, more quickly than most of us expected back yeah. to a more full scale version of the live music scene. And that was the first show where, you know, that the audience energy was, you know, pouring right up on the stage and, um, and so, yeah, so we've done a handful of shows back, but that was like, wow, okay, we're, we're really, you know, heading back to uh, the version of this that we've really designed our whole show and our songs around. We have a shows over the next month. We've got a little break coming up, but then, you know, we're looking at being back out on tour this fall, just, just like in normal times. And it's, it's just really exciting um, for all of us to see. I think we're looking forward to it. We, we need it. We missed it. And I think the people feel the same way. Absolutely. There's an urgency right now, I feel like in the audience to get out there and support the artists. And it was, it was very clear to us this past weekend when we had our first two shows in 356 days, I think the math yeah. is correct. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's true. I, I, I think people, the fans are looking forward to it every bit as much as the bands and, you know, this, this past year, year and a half or whatever it is now has been really challenging. And I think there are some great lessons that we all learned. And I think I'm not alone in saying that I'll, I'll never take another minute on stage for granted again. Oh my God. Absolutely. I that like let's this on Saturday night, we played at this cool venue in, in Wisconsin called the Potter's Shed. It's just like this community pottery place up front where they do classes. And then in the back, he's got this fenced in area with about three to 400 capacity. And, you know, we were playing a song that we had not played in a year and a half and also that we did not rehearse beforehand. And it's one of my favorite songs of ours to play. And like, I could tell the audience was digging it, but moreover, like it kind of, it just all washed over me. And I got like a serious case of the warm fuzzies, you know, on stage and I was just buzzing. And I, and it hit me really hard at that moment. I was like, man, this is why we do this. And this is what we have been missing. And thank yeah, God it's back. It's very true. You know, that one of the really complicated factors of this past, uh, you know, year and a half has been, you know, you want to be safe. You want to do the smart thing. But there's also these elements of like people need this kind of thing. And right. they need they need it for their their mental health, and we need it. And so striking that balance has been a difficult thing to figure out. But you know we're we're coming to the other side of it. I think a, a little more quickly than a lot of us thought would be the case. And the gratitude you can just you can feel it flowing from from every angle the fans yeah. the bands promoters everything and it's just really a, a beautiful thing to see right now yeah it really is and uh, i sort of predicted that once we were back at it at a actual music festival together it would feel like mardi gras and i i predict still that's going to be the case at blue ox even as we reach towards the end of summer it's going to be building towards this crescendo yeah i'm glad you guys are going to be there as a part of it um, so am i well, thanks for joining us again. It was great to have you on the podcast. And as always, we look very much forward to your set at Blue Ox and hanging out backstage and, and just catching up with you. 
Yeah, thank you guys so much, and huge thanks as always for the the invite to Blue Ox, and I really look forward to it. So we'll uh, we'll see you guys there. I can't wait. Yeah, happy touring. Good luck out on the road, and we'll see you in the pines. And thus concludes another episode of the Road to Blue Ox podcast. As we head towards August, mighty quickly at this point, stay tuned as Justin and I had a great interview with Shaky Graves, who will be joining us on the main stage at the festival this year. And that podcast episode should be coming out next month in July. I want to send you out with some more music. Chris Pandelfi recorded an interesting solo project over the course of this past year called Trance Banjo. I'm going to send you off with a composition from that called The Silver Droplet. Thank you all for listening. Stay well, be kind, and we look forward to seeing you all really soon. (laughs) 